0: privilege for me to bring the message this morning. I do want to thank Pastor Nick for sharing the pulpit. He is actually back serving our kids in children's ministry this morning. So they are having a lot of fun, I am certain of. Have you ever received a postcard from somewhere that you wish you could visit yourself? Is it still a thing to send postcards? In this day of cell phones and Instagram, I'm not sure that too many of us take time to send postcards via snail mail, but that was a thing that you did when I was growing up, when you were traveling. That's how you stayed in touch with family and friends when you were away. It's how you showed them the sights of wherever it is that you were. And everyone loves to receive mail, right? It's exciting to receive mail, especially a postcard from somewhere, maybe from one of the national parks, Yosemite or Yellowstone or Acadia, or even somewhere abroad, Paris, Rome, the Caribbean. But receiving a postcard and looking at the picture isn't quite the same as experiencing the location for yourself. You could gaze at a postcard of the Eiffel Tower all day and never really fully realize its breadth and its height and its beauty unless you've actually been there. You could look at a postcard of the Caribbean waters, the Hawaiian coastline, but unless you go there and you swim in the waters yourself, you don't fully understand. Or the grandness of the Colosseum in Rome. When I was a teenager, I traveled to the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon is one of those places where the pictures just do not allow you to fully understand how immense and deep and wide and truly beautiful it is. Of course, I sent postcards to family and friends who weren't with us, but a postcard just does not do the Grand Canyon justice. You have to be there experience it, to stand on the edge of the canyon and to see the diverse, beautiful colors of the rocks and to feel that dry desert heat on your face. It's magnificent, and it's named one of the seven natural wonders of the world for a reason. And since that time, I've met friends who have hiked down into the canyon and who have even camped overnight. Maybe you've done that yourself. And I have to wonder how my perspective might change if I were able to experience the Grand Canyon in its fullness, to be able to hike the trails, maybe even raft on the Colorado River, to be able to stand there in the depths of the canyon and look up at the rim sometimes we aren't able to fully experience the wonder of something unless we actually experience it for ourselves it could be a location it could be a piece of music or a work of art or even a deep heartfelt conversation something that just leaves you thinking you know you had to be there and i think the same is true of god's love for many of us who have grown up in the church or those of us who come to worship together week after week, we hear about God's love, we sing about it. We know these words. But maybe we've never experienced God's love in its fullness. Maybe we know it intellectually, but we might not know it in our hearts. We know it, but we haven't experienced it. And maybe we have not fully rooted in it. This is what Paul is praying for the Ephesians in chapter 3, where we're going to be looking today. In the chapters leading up to chapter 3, Paul has been explaining what God has done, how walls between Jew and Gentile have been broken down. They have become one body, one community in Christ. And then, after chapter 3, he goes on to express how the Ephesians are now to respond. So, in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is expressing his hopes for what may be so—an optimism of what could happen if the Ephesians were to fully embrace God's love, to trust Him fully. His love is revealed through Christ. The Ephesians, of course, were already believers. They had already trusted Christ. They were established as his church, but Paul sees and he hopes and he prays for more for them that they might grow to become a flourishing, transformed community in Christ. So if you'll turn in your Bibles this morning to Ephesians 3, We'll be reading verses 14 through 21. And as you find that text, before we read, it's important for us to note that Paul uses the words you and yours. This is how it's translated into the NIV. But the Greek word that Paul actually used referred to the corporate body, not just the individual. So of course, we'll be considering how these verses, how this prayer, holds true for us as individuals, but we'll also be looking at the implications for the church as the body of Christ as a whole. So Ephesians 3, starting with verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you, all of you, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So as we journey together through these verses together, let's consider exactly what it is that Paul is hoping what he's praying for these Ephesians, for these believers. They're still discovering really what the core is, what it means to be followers of Christ. And they're discouraged. Before they can move forward in their growth in Christ, they need to allow God to do a further work in them. I have a piece of artwork displayed here this morning. This is a piece by Scott Erickson titled, Creation. And I'm not sure that Ephesians 3 is the scripture that he had in mind when he created this piece, but I think it creates a really nice visual for us about how we are rooted in the creator himself. This whole idea that we're going to be looking at this morning about being rooted in God's love and flourishing as his community of faith. So I hope that this kind of helps you wrap your mind around this idea as we journey through these verses this morning. So if we come back here to Ephesians 3, Paul begins this prayer expressing who it is that he is trusting with this prayer. He's praying to the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So he is pointing out that these believers are part of the unified body of Christ, that God is our Father. The word for Father in Greek is pater. God is the creator of all things, and all of creation has a common heritage in him. The Greek word for family is patria. Do you see how those two words are connected? As followers of Christ— They have a common spiritual identity. So even here from the very start of this letter, there's an element of community, that they are individual believers, but that they are part of a corporate unified body, a common community of faith throughout space and time. They're part of his family, God's family, patria, rooted in Christ. And because God is the creator who has a plan to reconcile his entire creation to himself, there is hope for the Ephesians. And there is hope for us. That is the tone of Paul's prayer here. When we are rooted in God's love, there's a hope. There is an optimism of grace for how the church might flourish in our faith. And there are four appeals or four positive outcomes that Paul is praying for the Ephesians here. They're all connected to more fully experiencing a knowledge of Christ. And as part of the body of Christ, these same appeals are relevant to us today as well. So first, Paul prays that they would receive inner strength Verse 16 reads, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you, all of you, with power through his spirit in your inner being. And immediately following that, Paul prays that Christ would dwell in each of their hearts through faith. So again, these statements include both an individual element and a corporate element. And these two appeals are essentially saying the same thing. And I love how the New Beacon Bible Commentary rewords these verses in contemporary English. Make them stronger daily in proportion to your unlimited supply of power. May Christ be permanently at home in their inner lives as they sustain their trust in you. There is always hope. There is always potential to overcome discouragement, to grow through the strength of the Spirit and the indwelling Christ. And this is what the Ephesians needed to hear. This is what we need to hear today, that Christ was in each of them, strengthening them from the inside out. And this was the way forward for them. This is the way forward for us as well. If we look at Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 4.16, it reads, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Inner renewal is possible when we are rooted and established in the love of God. And if we come back here to Ephesians 3, the New Living Translation of verse 17 reads, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. We are all rooted in something. Whether it's a life-giving source or not, we might be rooted in fear maybe self-preservation, pride, greed, keeping up with the Joneses or our job performance, or maybe shame or guilt from our past. But these roots do not need to hold us captive. We are invited to break free from these unhealthy roots and to root upon God into divine love himself, Christ in us, us collectively in him, and this is how we flourish. Commentator Glenn Graham writes that love cannot be experienced in isolation apart from others. Love only exists within community. So if we are to flourish as the people of God, we must be In community aren't you thankful that God has placed us together as God's people this community is where we experience and receive the strength and the power to experience God's love it's within our shared life together journeying together in our faith not just in this building but with all other believers, all of the saints, throughout time and space. Paul writes, and I, write that, er, and I pray that you, all of you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And this is an oxymoron, isn't it? Because how can you grasp and know something that is beyond knowledge? Of course, the simple answer is that we can't. We can't fully understand this limitless love of God. This is part of the mystery of God. His love can't be fully known, it's beyond knowledge. But when we are gathered in community we experience and we celebrate this love as we worship together. And he receives the glory and the praise. His love for us is wide and long and high and deep. This is the infinite measure of God's love. His love is poured out through his presence in and through us, but it is also so much bigger than just us. And we experience this fullness of God that Paul writes as we journey and we grow in community together. When we gather to hear the words, the word, when we receive and we celebrate the sacraments together, when we assemble to pray, when we serve our communities in his name, when we support each other, So we've heard this prayer here in Ephesians, these hopes that Paul has for the Ephesians, that they might flourish as followers of Christ. But what about us? Could these words that Paul is praying for the Ephesians hold true for us as well? Is there an optimism of grace for us? As I was preparing for this sermon, this picture of flourishing as God's people kept coming back into my mind. So I looked to Miriam Webster for the word flourishing, which reads, to grow luxuriantly, to thrive. And somehow that word luxuriantly didn't sit quite right with me as I thought about us as God's people, especially how our culture views luxury. So I looked up the word luxuriant, which reads yielding abundantly fertile fruitful characterized by abundant growth and that sounds about right doesn't it when we think about this flourishing body of christ this community yielding abundantly characterized by abundant growth as we experience god's love together because we are rooted Together in His love, we're rooted in Him. And throughout Scripture, we see illustrations using agriculture, sowing, reaping, growing roots and water. In the Old Testament, the promised land is described as the land flowing with milk and honey. Life in Christ is portrayed as abundance instead of a lack of resources flourishing. So if we keep with this line of thought, we could think of ourselves as part of God's ecosystem, right? We're individuals who are redeemed by God's grace, but we are also interconnected. We are part of a much bigger picture as God's family, patria. We are participants and God's worldwide plan of redemption, all dependent upon God and His resources. Australia has some of the most diverse ecosystems and wildlife in all of the world. And I recently watched a video with my kids about the arid wetlands of Australia. Ironically, these wetlands are located in the dry outback where it's very dry most of the time, water there is very precious. But when the dry season ends and the tropical wet season comes, these wetlands are flooded, they're completely transformed. And occasionally, if the wet season is even wet enough, the water floods, it travels to the driest inland areas. So dry, cracked riverbeds suddenly flow, they even flood with this fresh water, bringing life to areas that have been dormant and lifeless for years at a time. It's an amazing transformation as the desert changes, flourishing into a rich ecosystem, nourished by abundant, life-giving water. And if Christ dwells in your heart through faith, you have access to springs of living water through the indwelling of the Spirit. You have access to abundant, life-giving water. Just like that driest desert in the outback of Australia, this is how you flourish. When you are rooted in the one who is living water himself, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You are invited into this nourishing water, this divine love that is wide and long and high and deep. As a follower of Christ, you are rooted in God, the creator, the redeemer, the restorer. And you are free to hope and imagine his best for you, more than we could ask for or imagine. And this is the optimism that Paul closes with here in verse 20. He writes now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Not a life without suffering or without wrong choices, but a life of hope, a life where you are rooted and established in His life, where the purpose of your life is to bring Him glory, rooted to flourishing. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8 reads, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Those verses create a picture of that luxuriant growth abundant, fertile, fruitful, that Paul prayed for the Ephesians, growth that is available for you through Christ. So picture that dry desert outback that then transforms into a wetland when the conditions are just right. Hope instead of despair, beauty for ashes, flourishing instead of withering, abundant life instead of death so today are you a dry and cracked riverbed where nothing can grow or are the streams of living water flowing in and through you and roots grow they spread and we can share the abundant living water so that our families our neighborhoods, our communities, our schools, everywhere we go flourishes because of that divine love that is within us. And what if we embraced this way of divine love? Not just looking at it from the outside, like when we look at a postcard, but because we have experienced God's love. Individually and collectively, we are changed, radiating Christ's life and his love, flourishing, a beautiful community where others are drawn because of the life and the vibrancy that is flowing out of us through the power of Christ. Are we, are you, all of you, all of us, firmly rooted in God's love. And how would our broader community look? Henrietta, Rochester, how would it look different if we really saw ourselves as his body, rooted in his heart and planted right here at 4045 East Henrietta Road? Is there a vibrant and flourishing life growing and spreading here? And wouldn't our neighbors across the road at the Highland Apartments wonder what was happening here? Or our neighbors further up the road at Stonewood Village, wouldn't they be drawn into this new life that is spreading? And wouldn't our roots be spreading into those communities as well? and into all of the neighborhoods and businesses all in between, because we have a common heritage with each other, with each one of our neighbors. We are patria. God is the creator of all, and we want them to know, to experience this limitless love of God, love that He has, not just for us, but also for them. So friends, are we flourishing as the body of Christ? When people see us, do they see Jesus? Do they see hope, beauty, life? How is God speaking to you today? How is God speaking to us? And you may be thinking this morning, you know, Pastor Emily, this sounds wonderful, it's beautiful a flourishing life, how hopeful, but I can barely make it through the day, let alone flourish. And I think we've all had times like that. But remember how Paul referred to God in these verses as the one who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us we yield in order to grow. And there is hope through Christ. And with Christ, we can grow even in the midst of difficulties, even in the midst of really troubling, uncertain times. So maybe today, God is asking you just to take one little step of faith, another little step of trusting Jesus with something, just a little bit more. So in these moments this morning, talk to him about it he wants to transform your dry riverbed into abundant life what might be possible through him and maybe today God is calling you to share his abundant love that you have already experienced you are rooted in him and he is calling you to abundant growth sharing with others how they can flourish too maybe befriending a neighbor, connecting to a ministry, loving a grumpy coworker, visiting a shut-in. Where is God calling you? And how is God calling our church community, Calvary community? Where is he already at work here in Henrietta? How would we collectively as his body, how could we partner with him bringing his hope his love his restoration as we walk into the world this week as his flourishing people where is god calling us and who is he calling us to be as we close this morning let us allow him to fill us with his living water so that we may experience His divine love together this morning, a love that then moves us to love. Let's worship together in closing, and may we be rooted together in God's love so that we may flourish as the community of Christ. As we close together this morning, I would like to pray Paul's words over us. I'll be using the contemporary English version from the New Beacon Bible commentary that I shared earlier. Let's pray together. Father, all of creation in heaven and on earth owes its existence to you. Strengthen us through your spirit already living within us. Make us stronger daily in proportion to your unlimited supply of power. May Christ be permanently at home in our inner lives as we sustain our trust in you. Our roots already grow deep in your love for us. They have a firm foundation. Grant us along with all of your people to grasp the power to grasp how infinitely and unconditionally Christ loves us. May we be so engulfed in this love that try as we must, we will be unable to understand it fully. Fill us so completely with yourself that we will daily become increasingly like you. We give you alone all the credit for who we are and for who we will become. We know that you are able to do infinitely more than all we can pray or ever imagine possible. Your power at work within us has already proven that. May Christ's church speak and live in ways that prove how worthy you are of praise now and forever. Amen.